0: So again, I just want to say how it's so good. I don't know if you guys are happy to be back. I am really happy to have you back. It's so good to see you, you again. Um, I'm, again, the same kind of thing at the beginning of mass I had mentioned. I'm not sure how your last couple weeks were um, and that kind of what, what would be the theme of break or if you're working, what's the theme of your long weekend? <laughs> it's three days this weekend. Good job, you guys. Um, isn't it the worst growing up? Ugh. Anyways, back to our story. So the question would be, you know, I'm, whether it is just this weekend or the whole last break i hope i really hope that you had a chance to you know to decide to take a break i hope you got a chance to choose to, to rest i hope you got a chance to choose to maybe go to work or got a chance to choose to read or you decided to exercise or you decided to hang out with family or you decided to just you know be with friends i hope you you chose to connect with you know good friends i hope that you decided that you were going to just make the most out of the break now here's the thing Regardless of what you chose to do, regardless of what you ended up doing, the thing I most hope is that, that one word, whatever, whatever the action was, whatever it was like, I, read, I rested, I read, I Netflixed, I um, was online the whole time, I was with friends the whole time, I just, uh, whatever it was. The main thing I hope is the second word hope that you chose. I hope that you decided whatever it was that you did over the last, this long weekend or whether of the last break, I just really hope that whatever it was doesn't even, in some ways it doesn't even matter what you chose to do as long as you chose to do it. Because this is, this is the difference. This, this is the difference between a, between a a life well-lived and a life that's wasted is making the decision, right? The difference between a life that is lived on purpose and a life that's lived off purpose or life that's lived on accident is someone who's living their life on purpose. They just, they choose. Even if that means to choose to rest or choose to work or choose to be with friends or choose to choose to Netflix. I I just, I just verb that word and it's going to be a thing. You guys, Netflix is now a verb. You heard it here first, but like, (laughs) because this is it. This is the, this is the first dividing line In your life and my life, of whether your life or my life will be a well lived life or a wasted life, it comes down to this one word choose or to decide. Another way to say it is Am I living on purpose? Did I use the break? Did I live break on purpose? Am I living this weekend? Am I living it on purpose or am I living it on accident? In fact, this isn't just a life well lived. If you're going to be a Christian, this is the first call of the Christian. Am I living on purpose or not? Am I living on purpose or am I living on accident? Am I living on purpose or am I living off purpose? And if we live on purpose, if you, do, if you choose to do this, if you decide to live on purpose, that's what you call being holy. That's what's called being holy. That's it. Now, we're, we're going to talk today about, about this word. What, did it, what is it to, to be Holy. Because we, we throw these words forward around all the time, don't we? I mean, in church. You sometimes use, some of you use this word in front of other words. But like today in church, like we, we use the word holy and we use it all the time. And so we come into church and we say, God's holy. And we come in and say, this is holy ground. And we say um, that, you know, we have incense and it's holy smoke. And we have. There you go. So, um, <laughs> But we use the word holy all the time like we know what it means. Question What does it mean? What does the word holy mean? When we talk about God and say, God is holy, what are we saying? Ultimately, what it means. The first meaning of this, we may talk about the second meaning next week, but the first meaning today, to say that God is holy means this, it means that God is completely unique. When we say God is holy, it means he's completely other, that there's nothing like him. In fact, the word incomparable is best used when it comes to God, because there's nothing we can compare to God. He's incomparable. That means he's holy. He's completely unique. He's completely other. He's, in a certain sense, he is inaccessible even. I heard this the other, the other day, or actually a couple weeks ago. Um, someone was describing the holiness of God, and they said, Imagine that God is like the sun. Here's a metaphor. The God is like the sun in the sky. And in our solar system, the sun is unique. I mean, in the big scheme of things, there's like a hundred billion, trillion suns. But, like, but in our solar system, the sun is unique. So the metaphor, go with me. And so that means that the sun, in, its, in and of itself, is completely other and completely inaccessible. And in that fact, we and I, we can't even approach the sun without being completely destroyed. So not even just the sun, but even the area around the sun is so unique. It is so incomparable. It's actually devastating. To come into the presence of the sun would be devastating, not because the sun is bad, but because the sun is so powerful. And the same thing is true when it comes to God. That God is so unique, incomparable. He is holy. So to enter into his presence is to be destroyed. And this this becomes Israel's like big thing. Like in the Old Testament, Israel's big thing is God says, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dwell with you. And they're like, well, that's a problem for us because we are a sinful people. How how in the world is a sinful people supposed to dwell in the midst of an all holy God and not get destroyed? Like, thanks a lot, God. But God says, no, here's how it's going to go. I will, I'm going to dwell in a special place. I'm going to dwell in the temple. And when you approach me, I want you to come to me. I want you to approach me. But when you approach me, there's certain laws. This is the whole reason for the Old Testament laws, because God is all good, right? He's not only all holy; He's all good. And so there's the moral laws. But when it comes to approaching God in the temple, you also have what they call the ritual purity laws. Now, the ritual purity laws have nothing to do with sin or with virtue. They just have to do with are you ready to enter into the presence of the all holy God who could destroy you? So the ritual again. Just say that again. The ritual purity laws. You know, wash this way, um, eat your food like this. Those ritual purity laws. They don't have nothing to do with sin. Or virtue, they just have to do with, are you prepared to enter into the presence of this God whose presence is devastating? And the interesting thing about this, if you ever read um, the Old Testament, is if you get pure, if you get clean, and you touch something that's unclean, so if God is all holy and he's, he's life, then the things that will make you unclean are anything associated with death. So if you touch someone who's sick, then you're now unclean. Again, it doesn't mean you're a sinner. It means you're just unclean. You can't approach him. You have to get purified again. If you touch um, bodily fluids that are associated with death, you have to go through purification. If you touch someone who's dead, you have to be purified again. Because remember, God is all life. And so if I touch anything that is unclean, now I'm unclean. This is really unique. That if, I, if I'm clean and I touch something unclean, it makes me unclean. It, that uncleanness passes on to me. But there's this really unique story in Isaiah. We heard in the first reading, Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter 49, 43 chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter six, there's a story where Isaiah wakes up in this vision and he's in the presence of the all holy God. And he's basically like, oh crap, I'm dead. That's my paraphrase. What he actually says is he says, woe is me. He says, I'm doomed. See, I was really close, wasn't I? He says, he he realized, He looks up and he says, there is the all holy God. And He said, the flowing robes, glory. In fact, he's surrounded by angels who are saying, holy, holy, holy. And he's like, holy, I know. And <laughs> Isaiah is overwhelmed by this because he's like, no, I'm I'm supposed to die if I'm in God's presence. I'm not clean. He even says this. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, living amongst the people of unclean lips. I don't belong here. I don't belong in the presence of an all holy God. And then something remarkable happens. This angel called a seraphim, now, seraphim in Hebrew means the burning ones. They're so close to God right? that they're burning. The seraphim takes these tongs and he goes up to the altar right in front of the Lord, up right in front of God's presence. And he takes the tongs and he picks up a burning coal from the holiest spot in the holiest place in the world. And he takes this flaming t- tong, uh, coal and he touches Isaiah on the mouth. Now, here's something remarkable happens here. When this holy thing touches the unclean guy, what usually happens when a holy thing or a pure thing touches an unclean thing? The holy thing becomes unclean. Or if you're unclean and you approach the holy thing, what happens to you? You're destroyed. But something unique happens that never, ever happens anywhere else. When this tongue, when this flaming ember touches Isaiah on the mouth, the angel says, "Now, now you are made clean. He goes, he says, actually, he says, behold See, now that this has touched your lips, your sickness, your wickedness is removed, your sin is purged. This is remarkable. Not only does the uncleanness of Isaiah not make the holy thing unclean, but the holy thing doesn't destroy him, it transforms him. It changes him. And the very next thing he says after this is he says, God, send me wherever you want me to go. Because right now he's been touched by the holy thing and he's been transformed. He's been touched, remember this, he's been touched by the holy thing and he's now been transformed. He's now been changed he his uncleanness didn't make the other thing unclean its purity made him pure and its fire made him transformed and then this no one knows what that means <laughs> spoiler sorry didn't mean, they're like what does that mean nobody know nobody for, for thousands of almost 600 years basically nobody knew what that meant like what was that all about like i don't know god <laughs> and then along came jesus and Jesus is what we just celebrated Christmas a couple weeks ago, right? And Jesus, we know Jesus' name is Jesus. But one of Jesus' titles, they call him Emmanuel. I know you all know what the word Emmanuel means. Emmanuel means God is with us. God is with us. And you thought you thought it was bad. Like, how are we as a sinful people supposed to live in the presence of an all-holy God? Imagine that God becoming a human being and walking amongst you. Like, what do we do now? <laughs> and what does Jesus do? Have you ever noticed when, that when Jesus healed someone, comes upon someone who's sick, it isn't just like kind of like wave his hand over the area. It doesn't kind of do this remote control that he goes up. And what does he do? He touches them. Now, normally what would happen? He would become unclean because they're sick. But what happens? In fact, they not only become clean, they become transformed. So Jesus goes around people who are lepers. They're completely removed and he touches them. He doesn't become unclean. He makes it clean. He transforms them. He even goes up to dead people and he touches their bodies. And not only is he not made unclean, he makes them clean. He transforms them from death to life. Last weekend, we celebrated uh, the baptism of Jesus. And people are like, I don't know why Jesus got baptized. That's so ridiculous. Like, he doesn't have any sin. He's already clean. He's, he's, He's innocent. You know, even the Jews, they had a ritual of baptism. So why did Jesus get baptized? He didn't get baptized so the waters could change him. The early church fathers said that Jesus got baptized so he could change the waters. That when Jesus touches the waters, he changes them. And guess what? How many people here are baptized? When those waters touched you, you know what happened? Your and my guilt, your and my uncleanness, that didn't make the waters unclean. Those waters touched by Jesus made us clean and transformed us. It transformed us so much that St. That Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, today we hear it, in his letter to, in his letter to the Corinthians, he writes, to the, I don't know if you know anything about Corinth in Paul's day, but Imagine, um, imagine Las Vegas times, uh, New Orleans t- during Mardi Gras times, uh, like the worst place you can imagine. Like your mom said, never, ever go there ever. I don't care how old you are. Never go there. <laughs> nice. Um, that was Corinth and G- and St. Paul writes to them and says, you know what happened? You were a bad guy, but you know, remember when you were baptized, you've been sanctified in Christ Jesus and you're called to be Holy. You've been sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. When they were baptized, they were changed. Remember, they, they, their, their wickedness, their bad stuff, that didn't change the waters. The waters of baptism, power of the Holy Spirit changed them. And just just like, exactly the same way that you and I have been Sanctified. You know what sanctified means? Basically, sanctus in Latin is, is holy. You've been holified. <laughs> You've been holified in Jesus Christ, called to be holy. Now, whenever someone says, hey, Father, would you bless this? You bless my medal. You bless my cross. You bless my shoes. Like, Sure, no problem. But when you do those, th- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when, when that happens, when that happens, that cross is no longer jewelry. Now that's consecrated. It's blessed. It's set apart. It's holy. It's consecrated for a purpose. Remember, because holy means to be set apart. To be consecrated, to be other. When you have like a bracelet, and Father, you bless this bracelet. Yes, it's no longer jewelry. Now it's set apart, it's holy, consecrated for a purpose. Now the purpose of that bracelet, the purpose of that cross, purpose of those shoes, whatever it is, the purpose of that thing is dedicated to the Lord. And a bunch of you just raised your hand and said that you've been baptized, you've been holified, you've been sanctified. You've already been made holy. I don't know if, you, if we really understand this. You do not have to convince God, God, make me holy. He did. It's called baptism. He made you holy. And if you need to be holy again, you go, it's called confession. Because when, what, what? when Jesus touches you, he's not hurt and you're not destroyed. You're transformed, sanctified, and called to be holy, set aside for a purpose. How many of us are living on purpose? How many of us are living on purpose? Because There's two ways to live. On purpose or on accident, on purpose or off purpose, so what is your purpose like what's the what 's the reason why God consecrated you and transformed you? Why did He set you apart? What does it mean to, to live holy? I think part of the answer is in the gospel today John the Baptist, he says it. you know the story, of John the Baptist right? John the Baptist, when his mom Elizabeth uh, meets Mary, uh, the here cousin who 's the mother of jesus' um, <laughs> I was gonna make a big deal about that. Anyways, that wasn't funny. Let's go back. Um, so when John and El- in Elizabeth's womb meets Jesus in Mary's womb, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes upon John and Mary- Elizabeth says, that, when the moment I heard the sound of your voice, the infinite man loom leaped for joy. From the moment he was in the womb, John was consecrated. From the moment he was in the womb, John was sanctified. He was set apart for a purpose and today into the gospel, he says what that purpose is. He says, the reason I came baptizing was so that he might be made known to Israel. The reason, I, the reason I live is that this guy, this guy, who's also God, that Jesus is known to all the people I care about the most, to the people of Israel. The reason I've been consecrated, the reason I've been set up, my purpose is that I want, I'm supposed to live in such a way that when people look at me, they see him. I'm supposed to live in such a way that when people hear me, they think of him. I'm supposed to live in such a way that when people are around me, they think and they learn to love him. And this is exactly the reason why God baptized you and touched you, consecrated you, set you apart to called to be holy. You have a purpose. Some people look at you, they think of him. When you th- you speak, they think of him. But the problem is this, well the great thing is this, we become what we consume. We become what we consume. So we consume garbage, then that's what we've become. This is amazing, though. You guys came to Mass tonight. And what's going to happen in, the, in a few moments in Mass? There's the altar, right? The holy place. On the altar, there are these hosts, right? There's these discs, pieces of bread that end up becoming God himself. And we, what we do, we take the burning ember of the host, the burning ember of the Eucharist. We take the burning ember of the Eucharist off of the altar, and what happens? You come forward, and you hold out your mouth, and the priest, or whoever, takes the burning ember. No, here's the crazy thing. The seraphim, remember the burning ones? That's their name. The seraphim couldn't even touch the burning ember with his bare hand. He had to use tongs. And what happens to you? That burning ember of the Eucharist will be taken off the altar and placed on your mouth. The burning ember of the Eucharist will come out, and be placed in your body. And what will happen? You will not make it unclean. It makes you clean. You will not be destroyed by it. You'll be transformed by it. We become what we consume. So what? So that you can, so we can be known what, what we produce. We become what we consume. We, we become what we consume. So we become the Eucharist. Jesus in the world. How can an unclean people live amongst an all holy God? When he comes and feeds you, and you go out into the world. But then we're known by what we produce. We're known by what we witness to. We're known by who we've been transformed into. That's what it's called to be holy. That's what it is to be holy. We become what we consume, and then we're known by what we witness to. This is the last thing. That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> that stinks if you thought going to work every day was hard like this is the worst it's like oh great that's awesome I can't wait I'm sanctified I'm made holy I want to be holy but for crying out loud like that sounds exhausting also you can screw it up I don't know if you knew that (laughs) you won't I believe in you but like (laughs) but it's possible that's why I just like I was praying this weekend about this and I was like this stinks this is so heavy I mean, it's great to know that the Lord has touched you and consecrated you, sanctified, holified you, and he wants you to live holy, and he's counting on you to be the witness that he's known by what you and I produce, he's known by what you and I say, he's known by what you and I do. But it's, for me, I don't know, I just kind of like, man, I, I know myself. But here's the thing, the Father knows you too. And that did, not ha- that did not cause him to hesitate for a moment, for a moment to entrust himself to you. I don't know if you know this, the Father trusts you. In making you holy, the Father trusts you. So here's my invitation this week. My invitation this week is two things, it's twofold. One is, just try to make the decision each day, just even, it can be a small decision. Say, I'm going to live on purpose today. Whatever you do, if you go to take a nap, awesome, do it on purpose. If you go to pray, great, awesome, do it on purpose. If you do your homework, awesome, please do that. You need to study. Um, Do it on purpose. If you hang out with your friends, that's great. Do it on purpose. If you watch whatever on the thing, do it on purpose. Just whatever it is this week. because Why? Because the difference between a life well-lived and a life wasted is do it on purpose or not. But the second thing I'm going to invite you to do every single day for the rest of this week, is to meditate on these four words. Just these four words. At some point each day for the next seven days, just at some point just meditate on these four words. The four words, the Father trusts me. The Father trusts me. As you're going to bed tonight, just hear those four words. The Father trusts me. God made you holy. He has holified you, and you are called to be holy, and you are called to witness to him. And the Father believes in you. Tonight, before you go to bed, as you're drifting off to sleep, just hear those four words. The Father trusts me. So you get up tomorrow morning. Just hear those four words: "The Father trusts me." As so you walk through the hallway tomorrow, all these people going around, all this busyness. The Father trusts me. When you feel overwhelmed this week, the Father trusts me. When you fall and crash and burn, and you have to go to confession, go to confession. But also know, the Father trusts me, because it's true. The Father trusts you.